What's up, mi gente? I'm Juan Ayala from Latin Babbler Show, and you're listening to Latin Arte, where we bring you exclusive interviews with rising Latin stars of the world. ¿Listos? ¡Vamos! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Latin Arte from the Latin Babbler Show, where we're celebrating Latin excellence. I am your host, Juan Ayala. Thank you for so much for listening and for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome to the YouTube channel. If you're tuning in, head over to our YouTube channel and check out all of our current content, new podcast videos, and all of our uh, hilarious clips and reels from all of our wonderful content creators. So we've got another fantastic episode for you all today. Joining us is an actor who you've seen in television series, literally everything. He's had recurring <laughs> roles on Snowfall, on FX, TNT series, Animal Kingdom, USA's Queen of the South. He's guest starred in Dexter, Weeds, Dead to Me, Insecure. And his latest role is opposite Aubrey Plaza in the movie Emily the Criminal. It's Bernardo Badillo. Bernardo, welcome to Latin Arte. Thanks for being here. Hi, no, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you and, you know, talk about the Latino community at large, especially as a, an artist. So I'm awesome. very, very excited. Awesome. Let's dive in. So before we get into Emily the Criminal, um, let's jump back to the start of your career. Uh, so you were born and wa- raised on the West Coast. And yes. were you exposed to the arts early or was that something that came to you a little bit later in life? No, I wasn't exposed to the arts at all, actually. I just, I don't know. I, I grew up in a big family, but I was an only child. so. When I was with a lot of family, you know, we, I would watch, especially growing up Latino, I would watch telenovelas and, you know, watch a lot of TV and then go home and be by myself where I was, you know, with my mom and dad sometimes. Uh, and I would just watch a lot of TV shows on my own. As a little kid, I was watching like horror films at like five, six years old. I was Freddy Krueger for Halloween at seven years old. So <laughs> I was watching <laughs> adult things but I was just always inspired by the imagination of it all and just creating my own scenarios in my head and in my bathroom I would just act out scenes from movies that didn't even exist or things that I just created or you know so I just was always I don't know just using my own imagination to create worlds or be inspired by something that I watched and then be like okay if there was a a a a sequel to it, which didn't exist, what would I be in it and how would I participate? So those were the things that I would do to sort of entertain myself because I had to entertain myself. Uh, And from then on, I just always knew that I wanted to be an actor. I didn't know what it was called per se, or that that was a career that you could follow. I just knew that I wanted to be on television or I wanted to be in cinema. And I would go to the movies by myself at like 10 years old, 12 years old, 11 years old. I would go all the time to the movies and just imagine and dream. So that was really what I was exposed to in terms of the arts, but in terms of being taken to, you know, uh, plays or shows of any kind that really didn't happen growing up because, well, for various reasons, but which I won't get into, but I just, I didn't get to experience as much as some other people. Yeah. Similarly, I mean, it sounds like we would have been best friends as kids because I had this crazy imagination. I loved Disney movies, especially. I loved the music and all of that. So that's eventually what led me to get uh, involved in acting. I'm an actor as well, but also journalist. So I do a lot of you know interviews and podcasts and stuff. Uh, but yeah, you know, similarly, I wasn't exposed too much to the arts beyond music. Uh, if I was lucky, we'd have like a school field trip where we mm. get to go see a play or something local or, or something. But other than that, I really didn't get to be exposed to much of the arts beyond like film and TV. So we pretty much run the same boat. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and uh, growing up, were there any, um, was there any time that you remember, like you finally felt represented or seen 
in a performance you saw, like if it was a movie about a Latin family or a particular character? I wouldn't say a particular character, but I, I grew up watching, yes, a lot of American films, but I also grew up watching, and granted, this is, this is an American film, but American Me was something that I, that I watched uh, growing up. I also watched La Bamba, um, and it was the first time that I saw Latinos being represented uh, and, and American Me. No, I'm sorry, uh, Blood and Blood Out. I remember watching that. Mm. Um, but in terms of films that I constantly watched, I didn't see that representation. You know, um, and it never bothered me because I felt like even though I did see a couple Latino artists doing it, mm. I just felt like it was never impossible for me to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like I never thought in my head, oh, because I'm not being represented or I'm not seeing that, I can't do it. I always thought I will do it. Somehow I always just believed that I could do it. Uh, but of course, like, you know, I, I knew who Edward James almost was, um, and Lou Diamond Phillips, who I think is also, uh, part Native American, um, and, or Filipino as well, I think. And so those people I didn't know about, but I didn't really follow as many Latino actors or artists as, you know, you would maybe like a Bruce Willis at the time or Arnold Schwarzenegger was in Terminator, you know, so, um, but even that, I, like I said, I just, I felt like I could do it. I never, it never crossed my mind that because there weren't, there wasn't as much representation that I wasn't able to, or that I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's a shame, you know, um, as a nineties kid, there just wasn't that much representation of us really anywhere. I feel like, you know, George, George Lopez show was like the first Latin family sitcom that we got. And even then some of the cast members were not hispanic or latino but you know that's a if they redid it today i know that they would have like a full yeah latin or hispanic cast um but you know that was just a thing of the times a lot of times hispanic characters would not be played by yeah uh, hispanic actors i mean mind you there are some iconic performances like in scarface you know al pacino's not (laughs) hispanic but still an iconic performance but it just makes you think like who missed out on a career making opportunity like that you know oh for sure yeah. But it's not, not, but as a child, you don't think those things because you don't really know or understand the scope. And as an adult, then you realize, oh, wait, just like you said, Scarface, there, there could have been somebody incredible playing that part. And granted, no, no shade to Al Pacino because he's amazing and right. he bowed down. But yes, I mean, even now there's, a, you know, there's people that play Latino roles still and don't get the same, you know, we, we don't get the, the same Latino representation. It's changing and it's getting better. But there are still some missed opportunities for sure. Yeah. So uh, with Emily the Criminal, which is uh, your latest project or one of your latest projects, you guys just had the film um, at Sundance earlier this year and you guys did it. You got the distribution pickup. So hopefully we get a theatrical release later in the year. But what was that experience like uh, working on the movie? And what can you oh, tell man. us about the movie and the characters since there's not much? Yeah. There yet? So the movie is about. Uh, uh, a woman and played by Aubrey Plaza, who uh, shout out to Aubrey, uh, who uh, gets involved with uh, dummy shopping. And I with dummy shopping is when you go get a fake ID, a fake credit card. You go do the shopping for someone, buy big merchandise, deliver it and you get paid You know, by the hour. And as the movie goes along, she gets deeper and deeper and deeper and things just spiral out of control. And my character, I actually play 
uh, a caterer. We're both caterers at this company and she does me a favor. So I actually hook her up with the number of the person who uh, is in charge of the dummy shopping. So uh, she, she does me this favor and I hook her up and things, like I said, spiral out of control. Um, but I, on the other hand, try to stay to the, you know, uh, the straight path, try to stick to that and, and do my job. And I'm not happy by the fact that she's leaving our job and leaving me with everything to do, all the tasks at the job so she can go and, and do these other jobs, which are not good for her, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. We shot uh, this, this past summer uh, in, in LA and around LA and, uh, we shot on location in different areas, even on, we shot at, on Fig and seventh in downtown LA, like in the middle of rush hour at like 6 PM, mm-hmm. uh, which was a crazy experience, but that was fun. And yeah, I mean, it was just a great learning experience for me too, because for the most part, I've done a lot of TV, but I haven't done a lot of film mm-hmm. and, uh, it was just, it moved very, very fast, very quickly. Um, there was a lot of improvisation as well. We got to fill the scene, the director, that's what he wanted because he also wrote the film. So he wasn't precious with his dialogue, which in TV is very different because they're very, very strict about how you say the line, what you say. Yeah. You know, there's someone making sure that your, your dialogue is correct. Whereas in this case, we were able to just, you know, add things and generate things and fill the scene with whatever we needed to do. So it was a really great experience and just, you know, working with Aubrey was, was great. She felt, she made me feel welcome and comfortable and, and yeah, my first, I mean, all my scenes are with her. So, you know, uh, and, and I think I shot one of the first days. So it was, it was just great. It was an amazing experience for sure. And with a lot of your past roles, you um, had, like we said, we, you've worked on Snowfall, Animal Kingdom, um, Queen of the South. You worked with some pretty awesome actors and some really awesome shows, especially shows like, you know, Queen of the South Animal Kingdom can be rather sort of action-packed, explosive, very dramatic. <laughs> um, so what were those experiences like for you? And was there like anyone that in your early years um, on set maybe give you advice or if there were any Latinos you worked with, um, did they give you any like wise words? I mean, I would say that working on Queen of the South definitely was a breath of fresh air because it was the first time that I worked with so many Latinos, mm-hmm. uh, not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera as well. Um, and I just felt like they welcomed me in a way that I hadn't felt welcome before, where everyone was really rooting for me to succeed, to be the best, to, um, I think Eduardo Sanchez, uh, who directed Blair Witch, uh, he was the director for the first, I think, two episodes. And, um, and then Steven Acevedo directed the last episode that I was on. So they just want, want, wanted me to succeed. They helped me in any way that I, that they could. And even the cast, they just made me feel like I was doing a good job. Like I was important. So even though I was guesting they had been doing it for years, they made me feel like I was important to the story. They made me feel like I was important to their, um, their interactions on, on screen. And, and I, I felt I felt, I think it was the first time that I felt very important as an actor and necessary. Mm. Not to say that any of the other roles that I played, I wasn't necessary, but they felt, I felt like they went out of their way to make me feel like I was necessary. And I was able to rehearse while we, we had downtime, we would all sit around a table and just rehearse the scene and go over the lines. And, you know, and, and I felt included because a lot of times when you show up on set, you don't really get to rehearse that much. You right. 
do it once for camera. So the camera and the lights, they, they know where to place them and all that. And then you just go. There's not a lot of rehearsal and, and downtime. So in this, in, in Queen of the South, we would be in a room and we would rehearse and go over the lines and try different things and and make the scene happen. And, and it was just an incredible experience. It was also, uh, I think, the first season that Alice Braga was uh, uh, an executive producer. And to see her really also take the reins and say, this isn't working for me, or I like this better, or can we shoot it this way? Or, you know, can we, uh, you know, speed up the scene in this way? I, I just, it, it, it was such a, a new uh, way of working. And for a strong Latina to be doing that was like mind blowing to me because I had never seen that uh, on that end. I had seen other uh, white uh, executive producer actors uh, do that, but there was the first time that I saw a Latina do that, and and I was like, ah, that's what it's like. That's what I want to have, you know, be able to put, have my input and be seen in that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I aside, from, I mean, I wouldn't say it's, there was specific advice, but there was definitely just observing and watching and saying to myself, that's what I want to be. That's what I aspire to be and do. Mm. So. And I mean, first, that that's amazing to hear that that she really had that not just authority, but that everyone definitely respected her mm-hmm. to 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 accept that authority because you know a lot of times the producer title doesn't always mean to get creative input, but with her being like you know like the star of the show and and mm-hmm. and really getting to have that um, just that presence on a set and being able to tell people like. Because, you know, it, it's one of those things that, like uh, whenever actors are invited to also write on the show, like it happened a lot on shows like The Office. It happens on shows now like Euphoria, where um, the actors get to co-write an episode. And it's like no one knows the characters better, especially after several years and seasons than the actor. Yeah, they know yeah. like the inner working. So a lot of times that they give that input, it's like, oh, well, they wouldn't really do that or they wouldn't do this because it's like, well, they know, you know, actors have this like <laughs> exactly. backstory in their head that they don't really share with anyone. Um, so, yeah, that's just awesome to hear that she had that that um, respect from everyone. Um, yeah. On the set for, for that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and like I said, it was the first time that year, the fourth season that she had that title. So it was interesting to see that she was really in there trying to make the show better and not just a title. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, um, you know, you've, you've been in the business for a while. So is there any advice that, uh, you would give to a young actor, um, any words of wisdom, uh, whether it's about your own experience or just sort of like looking ahead? Yeah, I would say two things. I would say don't give up because it's a long journey. Uh, yes, for some people it happens overnight and that's amazing and wonderful. But for a lot of us, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and commitment and hard work um, to make it, to keep working, to keep learning and keep learning, you know, keep learning mm-hmm. uh, new techniques, uh, styles, genres as much as you can, because you just never know what you're going to be approached with and what you have to play. Um, and then the other thing is something that I'm just slowly and learning more and more and more is try to bring yourself because early on in my career, I felt like I had to be a character with an accent or, 
you know, with a different way of talking and whatever. And slowly but surely, I'm starting to embrace who I am, how I speak, how I talk. And I recently had did a show called um, This Fool coming up on, on Hulu. It'll premiere, I think, this summer. And the creator slash star named Chris Estrada, who's a comedian, he called me and he said, I just want you to be you. I want you to have your accent, your own vocal tone. You don't have to put anything on it. Just be you. And the more that I feel like I've been able to bring that to the table, especially even in the role that I did in Emily the Criminal, it's very much like me. You know, I, I just, I, of course, within the given circumstances in the situation, but I didn't feel like I had to put on all these things to play that part. And it felt like it came from a, a much more authentic place. So what I would say is don't be afraid to bring yourself to the role because you're special, you're unique, you're your own person. That is, even though you're getting the same script, you're going to bring something that's original because you're, you're the only one that's like you. So do not be afraid to bring yourself to the character and not the other way around. Yeah, I think that especially uh, actors of color feel a little bit boxed in mm -hmm. and forced to put on those different layers of accent, of physicality, of... Yep. And it, unfortunately, it's because a lot of the auditions that, at least that I get, are for immigrant characters, are for mm -hmm. criminal characters. Yep. It's like there's more than just the immigrant story for yeah. Hispanics and for Latin people in the, in the U.S. You know, it's like that's not all that we do there's more to us than that like we're not a monolith you know we're not just one type of, of person so um so yeah is there anything that you can share also like regarding things like typecasting or or like that sort of sense of being boxed in from your yeah I, I I feel like I definitely played into the typecasting because when I started you know like almost 18 years ago there wasn't this breadth of you know, roles that are, there are now where you're getting to audition for astronauts and journalists and sheriffs and, you know, uh, teachers. Uh, it was very limited, at least, you know, when I was coming up. So I definitely, I know that I definitely played into the look and the type and uh, I, I boxed myself in, but that's because I wanted to work and I don't regret doing that, but I also feel like it took me a long time to be able to get out of that. So um, in the process now, I, I do feel that's why I think I, I'm advocating more and more and more for authenticity and bringing yourself to the table, because there are better roles out there. There are uh, characters that, yes, might be drug dealers, but they could speak like I speak. And even in, in Queen of the South, I generally spoke like myself. Um, I didn't add this accent except for when i was speaking spanish because my character is cuban so then i added the cuban accent right. but i just spoke like myself and i didn't i didn't try to add a thuggish kind of feel or uh, uh a thick heavy something you know accent to the to the character um and i was cast and i was able to do it you know so even though it was a narcotraficante a drug dealer i didn't have to put something on it that felt foreign or that felt like just putting it putting it on just to put it on because then it becomes real to the audience you know so um so slowly i've been getting out of that and i and i encourage people to start getting out of that and which doesn't mean that if the role requires you to have an accent because it's a specific thing that you can't do or that you shouldn't do it but 
I, I don't think that it's always necessary. I don't think that, uh, as a matter of fact, I have an audition now. And, and, and in my mind, it, it crossed my mind that, should I have an accent? And I said, no, because this character, it doesn't need it. But I could do it with an accent, but I don't need it. So I'm not going to do it with an accent. I'm just going to do it like I, I speak. Um, and it's for like an, an agent. Uh, so uh, an officer of the law, I should say. Uh, and uh, I'm like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't need to be, just because it's said in Texas does not mean that I need to have either a Texan accent or that I need to have a Mexican, Spanish, you know, accent at all. Because this character could easily be, have born in the United States, not in Texas, speak perfect English and, you know, be just like I am. So, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta fight the good fight and say, and no one is necessary. No one, it's not. And believe that it's enough. Believe that it's enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree, man. Uh, Bernardo, thank you so much for, for being with us on the show today. Um, I really look forward to seeing Emily, the criminal, um, hopefully get to the actual release very soon. Uh, so we can all see it or at least on, on streaming or wherever it is that they decide to put it. Um, but yeah, so where can folks find you on, on social media, Instagram, Twitter, if they want to give you a follow? Yeah, I'm at actor Bernardo Badillo on Instagram and Beatriz524 on Twitter. Although I don't tweet as much, but on, I'll, be on, I'll be on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. So. Awesome. And you can all follow the show at Latin Babbler Show on Instagram. Head to latinbabbler.com to check out all of our other content. And you can give me a follow at Juan Yale Official as well. Thanks for listening, everyone. We are out. Estando allá afuera Porque para mí, mira, no existen fronteras